when you're in the midst of fire, or you're so close to certain situations in life, it seems like the worst situation in the world. And like the toughest thing is too, when you share these moments, everyone who's around you goes through them as well because they love and care for you. But um, I trust and I've trusted, you know, my friends and family's judgments uh, for the most part and like on, on everything because they're not looking at it as how they would benefit. They're looking at, at it as how they know me and how they know me when I'm at my best. And if something is not adding to that or it's taking away from who I am or joy and happiness, then they're not for it. That is the man himself, Dale Moss, my friends, and you were listening to the Epic Table Podcast. All right, awesome people. Welcome back to another episode. This week, I'm actually in LA. I'm here on work, both the Epic Table and for Charlie Street. Lots of exciting updates to come. No doubt you'll hear them shortly. I'm pumped to tell you about them. Lots of things happening, which is really, really cool. A lot of it due to you guys. So once again, thank you for being a part of this community. And if you haven't already hit the uh, subscribe button to listen to this show, so appreciate it. Lots of comments and questions and just feedback on the plant-based series we're currently doing. Thank you uh, for the love, (laughs) I will say. People still wondering how to get uh, enough protein on a plant-based diet. I really cannot express this. Follow Follow the series, but also it is very possible. And it's a lot about changing your mindset. And what I mean by that is if eating plants was the norm and then we were told to eat meat or include animal products in our diet and that wasn't the norm, it would be a change in mindset going, well, what do I do? How do I cook? Where do I find these things? Where do I get them from? So I will say it's exactly what the mindset is now. If now the fact that the norm is to still be eating omnivorously, and eating plants is working against the grain. <laughs> See what I did there? Effectively, we're still having to change our mindset to make our resources or things more accessible, all our routines and our own personal habits. So, what I will say is you'll typically find yourself in the first couple of weeks ordering things that are new but in a habitual nature. So, instead of ordering your fish and eggs, you are now ordering more beans and maybe tofu is becoming a regular asset to your daily and weekly uh, shopping list. So it's all part of a new routine. It is possible. I'm doing it myself. If you need to follow to see the proof itself, head to the YouTube channel. Uh, You'll be able to see it there. But I will say I'm making some delicious tasty meals. And if you need some recipe inspo, whether you're omnivorous or plant-based, head to danchurchill.com. The recipe is a free team. And uh, as of late, particularly with a Mexican baked lasagna or I should say a tortilla bake that we did last week, that one will definitely be coming there. If you sign up to the newsletter, you won't have to wait because we'll be uh, sending it straight towards you. So just go to danchildren.com, you'll see the newsletter sign up, press that link and you'll be away to the races. My friends, this week we have Dale Moss on the show. Now, Dale is a former professional athlete. He has a pretty epic story coming from small town in Dakota. And there's two Dakotas for those who are outside the States. Uh, and his his story is pretty awesome because it's a lot about brand and even just personal identity. And what I love about his story is he's gone through many iterations where He's had to kind of really register who he is, who Dale is, and not be drawn or uh, you know influenced by the outside factors. He's, as I said, changed. Uh, he's changed from being a D1 athlete 
to then also working in the community of the Special Olympics, which is awesome. He's also been involved uh, in the reality shows, um, particularly most recently in The Bachelor, but I wasn't personally interested in that per se. I'm very interested in Dale's upbringing. Um, not many people know this, but his you know family was involved with kitchens. His mum had a catering company, which you'll learn about. So he's got a real knack and art and love for the community of the kitchen. So naturally, him and I got along like a house on fire over that kind of topic. But ultimately, I really am expecting you guys to be inspired by his personal identity. And I hope that for that reason, you guys can look inside yourself. Because a lot of these times we go through either finishing high school, college, or changing jobs, or maybe you meet a partner, or whatever it is, you go through an inflection point in your life, and ultimately you, not question, but you take a step back and see who your personal identity is, what your values are, um, and what really makes you happy. And so hopefully out of this piece, you'll be able to understand that from his perspective, which may inspire yours. The other awesome key takeaways as well, but uh, I thought this one was pretty apparent and his story is definitely inspiring. Small town into the big city. Um, you know, one one thing you'll notice is talking about the relationship between going back to where you came from and seeing how you've been exposed to, you know, what is the big city, but you still want to be, um, you know, known by your friends as who you are where, you know, when, when you were growing up. So that's something that I've definitely dealt with myself as a bit of a challenge and I know a lot of people have. So it's, um, that's always a good one to open up about. In the coming weeks team, I'm going to answer some questions around personal branding. This is something that I personally have uh, loved to continue to learn and seek, seek advice on. And so I'm going to kind of narrow down some of my key talking points and moments, whether it be around self-publishing books or how you can identify yourself um, and, and grow your personal brand. And remember, your personal brand does not mean you have to be prolific. Everyone does have a personal brand. And we'll go on that in, uh, in next week's episode. But we have an awesome show to get to before that one, and it involves Dale Moss. Dale, my man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you live in the studio. Thank you for your time, my bro. And my listeners, welcome to another episode of the Epic Table Podcast. Dale Moss. What's up, man? Dude, welcome to the kitchen, man. Hey, I'm happy to be in the kitchen. I actually feel really comfortable in this space. Yeah, but this one particularly, because you just shared a pretty interesting <laughs> little insight into one of the experiences of your childhood. Yeah. Because we're currently in a cool room that's been makeshift into the studio. Yeah. So what was the little story? Kind of oh, so my mom worked in a catering company for over 16 years, and... Um, so I actually would go up there and help wash dishes so she'd get out of work early. I was probably way too young, um, but I was like in fourth grade and I got locked in the freezer <laughs> and I couldn't get out. So uh, it was a pretty traumatic moment at the time, but it didn't scare me away from the kitchen. So, so okay. And you're okay right now. You're I'm good, man. I, uh, no trauma from that. That's good, man. Uh, but I definitely sat in there for, for quite a while. Uh, almost gave my mom a heart attack and everything. Yeah. But um, I grew up around food, man, like my entire life. And even today, you know, the hospitality, the restaurant space is near and dear to my heart because the best things happen around the table. Did you share that with me? That was, um, I feel like you and I have a lot in common, but that one was like the moment going, yeah, Dale, Dale and I can definitely just have coffee and maybe a beer or two yeah. at some point. Yeah. It's just like, 
those are the kind of moments to me where just, that's that's why we have the brand called the Epic Table. Yeah, well, and also like the stories that are shared. Uh, I think you know, growing up, we didn't have a lot, um, but we always ate good. We'd always uh, have people over. Obviously, my mom worked for a catering company, so uh, the team would always come over to the house. And as I've gotten older, that's what I look forward to. Like these are the, the moments where you can like break bread, uh, really get to know people. And I mean, New York City, you got all the food you want. So that's it, dude. And like, I want to. I definitely talk about this catering company. I is uh, when you and I connected most recently again. I was like, how do we first initially? get to know each other and I think it was and you were talking about this earlier with gyms was it was it going to that studio in the West Village at Switch was that how you and I first like, oh snap like when they do like some of the events and everything yeah like that. yeah right so, yeah but that in it like the, you know the food the fitness yeah um, like those are anchors here in the city so it's literally like one degree of separation if you don't know one you someone you know someone who is probably really close with them 100%. and yeah it's funny how how that uh, connected us, but also that, that that's a foundational piece for both of us. Hundred percent. Yeah. So speaking of foundational piece, you did you, your mum did have a catering company. So this is in Dakota, right? Yeah, South Dakota, bro. South Dakota. Okay. <laughs> so like meat and potatoes, bacon wrapped <laughs> chicken breast, um, all the things. But like the coolest thing about that is uh, I learned how to cook at a young age. You know, and I think if it was any it, with all the things going on, you know, in life and family, like we actually got to spend the most time together at the catering company because uh, my mom would work late. Um, you know, when we get up for school, uh, she'd make sure that we got the bus to school, but by the time we got home, she was already gone. So our bonding time was when we'd go up to the deli, uh, you know, we'd do our homework in the uh, dining area, and then we'd help her get out of work early because if we could save like a couple hours um, and get her out a little bit early, then we were going to be able to spend more time with her at home. Otherwise, it, we didn't get to see her that much because we'd usually be in bed by the time she was getting off late at night. Wow. And when you say we, brothers and sisters. Yeah, four sisters. Yeah. Four sisters? Yeah, man, I'm the only boy. So Whoa, uh, dude. I've, I've learned some patience at a young age, <laughs> but my sisters are all my best friends. And, um, you know, we talk literally like every single day. So I'm grateful for them. And they, they keep me in check, you know? I bet they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the most That's part. their job, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, but I've been blessed with them and, uh, you know, just overall, just a great family. That's awesome, man. And did you, you know, did you actually ever get involved with the cooking aspect or you just did a little odd jobs for mom? How yeah, I, so, I, dude, honestly, even all the way up to college, most people don't know this, uh, I used to bartend at night and I was playing two Division One sports. Um, but again, it wasn't uh, necessarily probably the best thing to do but you know from the time I was young like you know we had to support our family a lot um, and for me I was on scholarship but anything beyond that um, and also taking care of bills and things at home I was like you know if there's a will there's a way and I, you know I got to be around people and everything like that um, but it uh, yeah it was just a chapter of my life um, that you know most people find surprising but it was something that I actually enjoyed you know I wasn't out drinking and doing all that um, I was making some money and I was able to help the fam. So looking back on it, you know, it's something that I would never change. But those are like all things throughout my life where uh, food, drinks, things like that. And they also show up in like partnerships today. Like I love that space because you can connect with people in such a like awesome and fun way. Dude, also um, just like, I don't know, on a very personal level, I think it says a lot about someone who grows up in a very tight family. Yeah. Because you just see their their 
you know, the way they go about life and mm-hmm. the things that really matter to them. Yep. And, uh, I've definitely noticed that in the way that you hold yourself is, you know, having those sisters, like it's like my brothers keep me in check. Your, bro- your sisters would keep you in check. They'd be the ones. Are, saying, are you all boys? Is it I'm all boys. boys oh, I'm in the middle of three boys. <laughs> and my brothers, uh, yeah, like honestly, closest. It's so funny. As you know, like growing yep. up with your sisters, you probably like, you, you pull in teeth and whatever when you're growing up. And then all of a sudden you get to a point, for me, it was like, I got to a point and it was like, whoa, like, these guys are awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. But like that just shows a value to me is being the way you grow up your family. I, yep. I definitely just naturally connect with other people in that same space. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, it's, it's pretty special. Um, so you, you, this is. I want to kind of set the tone here. So you're how old are you when you start into this? You know, catering work, if you will. Uh, I mean, honestly, like. I was probably like third grade when I was wow. sneaking up there and helping my mom third grade uh, in the kitchen. In America and like me and my family, like we've always worked though. Like, you know, me and my sister both um, all the way through high school and things like that. And again, you know, it was never that difficult for us to do because we, A, were tight as a family, but, you know, everyone throughout like the catering company, um, that my mom worked with became family, right? So if there was something going on, and this is a small town and a small community, um, we all worked through things together. So, um, and I don't know, I just have naturally gravitated towards that throughout my entire life. Even to the point when I came to New York City, um, I started taking classes at Institute of Culinary Education, which is awesome, I loved it so much. Uh, Obviously the pandemic kinda uh, put a damper on some of those things, but, it's just something that I love, and I think any anything you do, especially when it's rooted in purpose and like there's a story behind it, um, it's it's easy to keep doing. Dude, hundred percent. Oh man, I'm yeah. gonna get you cooking. More. I know that's this the is thing. So good. I know. I, I need know. to start showing off the cooking. Oh, skills. I'll put you on the line, man. I'll see that. Right. Yo, I'm I'm down for all the things, bro. I'm down for all the things. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, okay, so you tight knit community. How many people would you say in your town in South Dakota? Uh, when I was here, it was like 6,000 people. Wow. So you get a small town, Midwest. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, we moved there when I was really, really young. And for the longest time, um, you know, outside of our family, we were kind of um, like outsiders, a biracial family. You know, I couldn't stay at a lot of my best friend's houses growing up. Not because, um, you know, a reflection of like what the kids and my friends thought, but it was just like stereotypes, right? Um, a very, um, you know, I don't want to say segregated, but it wasn't a very diverse area. And even, you know, on my mom's side, I didn't know my mom's side of the family much growing up uh, because of a biracial marriage. And, you know, people didn't really necessarily agree with that. But I think all those things early on just made us tighter as a family. And the best thing and what I've realized later on in life is that like we knew who we were and we knew what we had. And as long as we stayed consistent with that, it was gonna break down any and every barrier that kind of came up. And um, you know, that, and also, you know, sports was also a powerful thing that, um, you know, the communities really surrounded and like rallied behind, um, not only me, but my siblings and things like that. So uh, a lot of times people would ask like, you know, would you change anything? Do you like where you grew up? And like, I still have my South Dakota ID to this day, That's you know? Awesome. So I love where I grew up. And there's never a time in life with family or anything that's got me to this point that I'll make an excuse and say, you know, I would really change anything. So um, I, I, I love South Dakota, I love it. Man, I, I'm gonna go to South Dakota. 
Dude, I mean, it's fun. People, yeah, you know, they have fun. What are some of the sites in, in the Dakotas, by the way? I mean, Mount Rushmore is probably one of the few that, that people know. <laughs> is but it south I would, or north, by the way? Uh, so I'm, I grew up in South Dakota. And where's, where the, where's the... Mount Rushmore is on the west side of the state. I was in South Dakota. Yeah, but I was on the east side, farm community, okay. all those things. My mom uh, grew up in a small town in Iowa. My dad, his family's from Omaha, Nebraska. But I, there wasn't, like, a lot going on. But we had... I don't know, good good people. Uh, I have the same friends I've had since like second grade, which is awesome. And that's a unique experience most people don't get to grow up 100%. with. Um, so whenever I go back, it, like we pick things up like, you know, I never left. So That's epic. It might, it's a lot different to New York City, you can tell. I can only assume. <laughs> Dude, New York oh, is a beast. Oh, man. But uh, you've got, I guess, this beautiful, tight-knit community that yep. you have. And, you know, I'm sure everyone knows everybody. What's interesting is you, you're not just a star like talent in that 6,000, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're town. actually, you're actually talented in general. Obviously you said you're like, you're actually skillful in two sports. Um, you're focusing primarily on basketball early on. Yeah, right? dude, basketball is my love. And uh, my mom actually played on a U.S. national team. Oh, um, so she was a hooper, averaged like 45 points a game in high school. 45 points yeah, dude, a game? Yeah, she balled out. Um, how, many, how many minutes are there in like high school? I, like eight-minute quarters? I don't know. Eight-minute So it's yeah. 32 minutes and she's outscored. Far out. That's yeah, impressive. No, so she balled. And so I grew up, I always wanted to play basketball. I loved, mm. you know, um, seeing like newspaper clippings of my mom. And, uh, I was a hooper. So um, as I got older and in high school, um, I, and I, w- I always excelled at football and things like that, um, but I knew I was going to go to college for basketball, but I was actually recruited for both pretty heavily. Um, but when the choice came, you know, I wanted to stay close to home. My mom's health wasn't the greatest at that time. And, uh, you know, I got a full ride scholarship at a D1 university, I uh, had the opportunity to possibly play both sports, which I ended up just uh, choosing to come back later on uh, in my college career. But dude, like through and through growing up um, until I really came to New York outside of a couple of the pro teams I played with, um, South Dakota is like where I was at, but I, I, you know, I loved it. Wow. I know. Then I wind up in New York City of Dude, all the places. Dude, you totally just fast forward. Like you actually <laughs> summed up your story of the Dakotas and sport in a minute. We're going to drag this out. All right, so before we do, I'm going to really show my uh, my dialogue skills towards basketball for a second. And I'll have you know I play on a weekly basketball team here in New York City. Well, where's my invite? Because I, I want to come hoop. I'm just looking for the about league, to man. ask you. You are going to come. And right. you're going to be top point scorer. Well, you know, we've got some good uh, – most of the team's Aussie, right? Um, but, I, dude, straight up, I'm a rugby player. I'm the guy who boxes out, causes fouls. I, yeah, I'm whatever works for the team, man. <laughs> I, want, I want that invite too. Okay, that okay. Invite. next game's tomorrow night, so if you're keen, come All along. Right. All right, we'll see. Um, but yeah, dude, so like Hooper, is that just uh, someone who, from a young age who's always into basketball? Yeah, I, I just love basketball, okay. man. So it, especially because like for us, I mean, there's not that much going on in South mm. Dakota, right? Um, and, and at a young age, like, you know, outside of family and stuff with school, I just nav- naturally gravitated towards sports. Also, uh, when I was in sixth grade, um, my high school basketball coach um, was actually like the middle school teacher. Uh, so I was very, very fortunate to have him kind of mentor me and really push me from the time I was in sixth grade 
um, all the way through you know high school but even now you know he's a second father to me so I think that's one of those powerful things and when you think about coaching right because um, you know me and my entire family are close me and my dad are super close but he wasn't in the picture a lot um, when he was younger just going through different struggles and things like that and you know my coaches really filled in on some of those roles um, like I remember like up until sixth grade like it was I could probably count on like one hand how many times my parents were at uh, any of my games and stuff and you know as a kid it sucks and you go through those things but I also understood the responsibilities or also the things that you know they were going through um, but I had support from other people that filled in on those roles and and that's where like community is so valuable you know yeah which you know I've talked about uh, even presently about all that when did you know you were like good because I think at that age and in that I think it's one thing if you're like in say New York yep. and New York State or even New Jersey or even let's say Alabama and the, the state knows you yep. right and you're like okay well clearly the state knows me if you're in Dakota how do you know that you're good <laughs> when like that's town that you're comparing yourself to is initially only 6,000 people yeah so I mean uh, there's no pro sports teams in the state right. so everyone follows high school athletics you know uh, throughout the entire state and, you know, I think I knew just, like, by the time I was a uh, sophomore in high school. But even early on, like, I always said, like, you know, I was going to be one of the top players in the state. You know, I was going to get a scholarship. Those were, like, my goals, sure. right? Yeah, no, but so. as you actually advance and progress, you can actually understand, like, where you sit in those mm. settings. Um, I would say my sophomore year is when I knew that, you know, I was going to have the opportunity to do some awesome things. And... I grew into my body, um, you know, I was super athletic, you know, um, and I just loved the game. So I think that was something that pushed me a lot harder. Um, and then once I got into college, uh, honestly, like when I chose to switch from basketball to football, um, again, which I came back for one year, before I made the decision to change sports in my mind, I believed the only reason I'm doing this is because I know that I could go to the NFL because I had seen players who were there and I could study them and understand like if they got this opportunity, um, then I know that I could at least get to that level. Um, and that was kind of the driving thing for me uh, when I decided to make that switch because I never wanted to think what if, but like I was going for broke. I had no reason to come back to college. You know, I already had opportunities beyond that but um, if anything I think it was a part of it was like proving people wrong but more so just proving to myself um, you know I could accomplish this and I just love diving in and working towards something so so you talk about self-belief you genuinely believed dude I, I like I there's no reason I would have ever gone back and done it and you know I think it's interesting how because humility is obviously very, very important, yeah. but you have to have this almost like ridiculous and crazy belief in certain things when everyone else thinks that it's not going to happen if you're going to accomplish goals to that level, right? And that was just one of them where I was so certain and I knew. Um, you know, I was one of the most athletic people in the country, you know, on the basketball court. And, um, you know, even after my college or football season, 
you know, the numbers that I put up in my pro day would have broke combine records and things like that. So I knew from, you know, the get-go that um, athletically I was there. There was no question. And from there, it was just a matter of putting in work. Um, and I knew that if I set my mind to it, like no one would outwork me uh, in those settings. So, and, you know, so I just dive, dove in and tried to be a student of the game. Yeah, man, self-belief's incredible. And especially, like, I think you, obviously, you can measure yourself against other people yeah. and you can see them doing it and look at where you're at. And it's one thing to kind of uh, verbalize it, mm-hmm. but to actually, like, inherently, internally know and believe it. Yeah. Like, that self-belief is crucial. And I can only think back to when you are probably training the house down and working the jobs you are and seeing the family as you are that at some point it would have been on your mind going, I, I will have to leave yeah. South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. I always knew like there was, uh, I was never going to stay there and it wasn't something like I have to get out of here. Uh, in my mind, I just knew that I was meant for more, meant to be in a different place and that never devalues anything on, on where I grew up, but I was just geared differently, mm-hmm. you know? And I, you know, I think about when I came out to New York for the first time, it was after I was done uh, playing football professionally. I had never been to New York City. Oh. And like, I didn't know anybody here, but I remember even as uh, like a high schooler and stuff, I was like, if that's like the greatest city in the world, that's where I wanna be. And it's, it's just funny how things in life happen. Um, you know, but it's tough because and you and I have talked about this before, the amount of pressure that you feel or responsibility to excel and then want to provide for your family or if you're coming from a smaller area, like be all the things for all the people. And I think sports is definitely something that allowed me to hone in focus and just because I was passionate about it. But, you know, taking a step back, like, you know, that's a, that's a lot to carry at any phase. Um, but you also have to believe that you're making the right decisions for you and not doing them for other people. And that's something I still battle with today very, very heavily. Yeah, man. On so many levels we talked about this again, which we'll get on to like charity stuff and all that kind of thing. It's like, at the end of the day, if you can't be you, you yeah. can't help anyone else. And despite the added pressures from the outside world coming in and, yep. and whatnot, but um, it, it definitely comes with the territory. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. And like, it's uh, it's never an easy one, but um, I, again, just shows, it demonstrates the kind of person you are and the way your family orientation grew up yeah. with, right? So, so you go through college, four years as basketball D1. Yep, four years, yep. How, how are your numbers? And how tall are you, by the way, uh, as, like, at the time? Uh, 6'4", so. And you're 6'4 now? Or? I, I was 6'3", I guess, technically then. I think I've grown since I've been out of, yeah, out of college. But I'm like right about 6'4". So, okay. Um, when everyone yeah. sees this in the steel shot, yeah. I'm six foot. <laughs> Just to be clear. Yes, I've got a short torso and long legs. <laughs> I, um, but uh, yeah, man. I like So I, I played four years. Um, and I was like, you know, a great athlete. I love to play above the rim. You know, I kind of live for the highlight play and stuff like that. And, you know, I had an opportunity to play overseas, um, but the idea of leaving family, friends, and like, also it's like everything I've known was here in the States. Yeah. Um, and that was, an, you know, also another thing that, you know, kept me here um, just so I could, you know, be around family. And 
uh, I always figured in life, like if I wanted to go back and do that, that opportunity could present itself. So yeah. nice. And what was it like with like the family and mum particularly? Was that tough at the time then? Yeah, and I, dude, I've had support in everything I've done. Okay. From and, so and that's good. one thing about us is like we're not going to apologize for shit. You know what I mean? Um, we're going to support um, you know anyone within the family. We're going to support our friends. But I grew up in an environment where the only thing I knew is if I made a mistake to come to my family and we would work it out together. So when it came to later on in life and like even now, like, you know, life, how it takes all these turns, I've always felt supported, but I've always known those things. And that's like what stems from, you know, you talk about a belief. I was so certain and I knew what we had at such a young age that I felt like if all else fell, like, would fall down I still had my family for, for everything and they've helped me through some, some tough ass times you know is that something you would typically you know say you do get into a bit of a space it's a bit, bit, bit of a troubling time or maybe more of personal reflection upon yourself in a way that you kind of res- not resort to but you go to and as a, yeah. like, like an area where you would kind of like not meditate but just focus your attention and just know that hey this is this is my grounding place yeah. and things going to be fine yeah, I mean, and it's tough because, you know, when you're in the midst of fire, you're so close to certain situations in life, it seems like the worst situation in the world. And like the toughest thing is too, when you share these moments, everyone who's around you goes through them as well because they love and care for you. But um, I trust and I've trusted, you know, my friends and family's judgments uh, for the most part and like on, on everything because they're not looking at it as how they would benefit. They're looking at, at it as how they know me and how they know me when I'm at my best. And if something is not adding to that or it's taking away from who I am or joy and happiness, then they're not for it. Um, so I always revert back to that, especially like when I had to transition out of sports, bro. Like, you know, they talk about the downward spiral that athletes go through. I had to rebuild from scratch and my family like really, really supported me um, and helped me. And to the point, like I built a life better than even when I was playing sports and all those things. And knowing that at the end of the day, I have that and that foundation is everything. Huge, man. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you know, yeah. I think we've talked about this in the podcast a lot about what it's like to be an athlete as a stardom individual yep. who lives um, a pretty epic life doing what they love but it's just one chapter of one hundred. chapter yeah and for someone like yourself who did get to do that you know across uh, you know two different types of leagues uh, you know you early on had the opportunity to go to another country and to get out of that at what, what age were you when you you retired so I was uh, technically like 26 when I was uh, like fully done yep. uh, with football professionally. So, um, and I'm someone who bounced around. You yep. know, I, I was never a marquee player. I love the game. I love competing. Uh, you know, when I definitely saw like the business aspect of some of the things, which you know most people don't see, it changes your perspective on some of the sports and like some of the things that you love. You gravitate towards the team, the locker room, the competition. Um, but it's also a business, you know, and you talk about like transition, really all I knew was sports my whole life. I didn't really start living my life for myself and figuring things out beyond like an athletic field until I was like 26. And 
that's when most people are going into their, you know, a job they're going to be at for a long time. Uh, and not only that, <laughs> I randomly did it here in New York City. But um, again, I think like sometimes I'll say ignorance is bliss and it's, it doesn't mean I'm ignorant. Um, but it's like a lot of things I didn't know the right or wrong way to do it. I just trusted what I was doing was right or I leaned on things I was passionate about that made sense to kind of guide me through that process. And honestly, bro, that saved me here in New York because I met great people. I got into circles of like, you know, the fitness community, the food community, and I had people who I didn't want anything from. I just built a relationship and they looked out for me. And that's something that is so vital in everything you do. Dude, that's massive. It is so crucial to have that moment in your life. I, I, I'm, uh, I want to go back to when you're talking about like, uh, when, uh, okay, so to break this down, I just want to break this down to experiences. So <laughs> how are you lot. feeling? I know there's a lot. <laughs> so put first time getting into a squad. Yep. You're putting on the jersey. Talk us through your emotions. How are you feeling? Are you anxious? Yeah. What's going on? I... Like, that's definitely a surreal moment. I, I remember my first preseason game at Green Bay, and, you know, there's like this, you're in awe, right? Um, but I also felt like, damn, dude, like, this feels good. Like, I'm, I wasn't as much nervous as I was just excited, and I felt great being here, you know? And I think about coming from a small community, um, what that meant to everyone and, you know, where I grew up. And I remember, like, my parents, the level of joy they felt just seeing something like that because that's something they've never experienced in their life. And, like, it was a powerful, powerful moment. Um, and, you know, regardless of what people say about how long you've played or what you've done in your life, dude, that experience, that moment, seeing my family experience and live that, like, that's a wrap, you know, that's, that's what I've dreamed of as a kid. Um, and, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to share and teach them and show them things that they've never seen on so many levels. And I think it's also one of those moments where you're like, damn, all this hard work, like all these things over the year paid off. Um, and then, you know, that fades and it's like, all right, I got to get back to work. Now it's, you know, you, you got to produce and um, but it, it was it was a special special moment. So when you look at those moments of excitement or like the build up, the uh, emotional serotonin lifting um, you know, experiences, yep. and then you think about those moments where maybe sport and you see sport as a business. Yeah, I'm I'm interested because I know a lot of people always seeing the experience of an athlete in yep. such an amazing light. And you, you talk about it not in a negative way, but with perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's all, all perspective. Right? You know? And so what did that do to your initial love for yeah. that sport? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing was, um, you know, I was still like so raw and like wet behind the ears, if you will, with so many things when it came to football. Like I was doing a lot of things off talent and, you know, I didn't have as much guidance and understanding of certain situations. But um, I also saw for the first time in my life, how people's lives could be affected if the culture within a team wasn't good. You know, I saw people who were in positions of power who had no business being there. And I 
I've said this to numerous people, like my number one fear in life is being controlled and feeling like I can't do something because someone says, you know, they said they say so. And that, you know, could stem from, you know, having to see my, my dad in, in prison previously and all those things. But for me, I feel like if I don't have control of my life and I can't make my decisions, it, it doesn't sit right with me. Now, that being said, I'm obviously aware of the other level of talent, the different opportunities, you know, you deal with injuries and things like that. Um, but I noticed pretty early on the things I loved about the game and the sport were also a little bit skewed. And you have to like fully love what you're doing. And over a period of time, especially after bouncing around to a few teams or seeing, you know, great coaches, great teammates, you know, get released and cut. Um, a lot of times, when, you know, when I didn't think it was valid, it, it's, it sticks in your head over a period of time. So, um, you know, after I had uh, re-aggravated a labral tear um, and I was sitting for a second opinion, you know, I kind of made up in my mind, like, I just want to take life into my own hands and you know whatever happens after this situation like I'm comfortable stepping away but I also knew that I was going to be able to frame and build a life that honestly I had never known but I wasn't afraid to do that um, and I think that's with athletes what you get so much right it's you know the work you know the preparation you know how to deal with tough times uh, composure and all those things and those are the foundational pieces that have helped me after sports to, I mean, just be here right now, you know? Yeah, 100%. You definitely build an extra thickness or fortitude around your bones, man. Um, interesting question. You talked about fear, like, in your greatest fear is being controlled. Yeah. How are you on aeroplanes? I know that sounds so <laughs> weird. Uh, I'm good, bro. Are I, you? I'm good. Like those things, <laughs> the thing is I would jump out of an airplane tomorrow if you asked me to. Like all that stuff doesn't bother me. So they, if I, I, that's a different type of control. And also like if anything's going to happen, it's either I'm walking away from this or I'm not. So Wow, man. I wish I had that one. I, I'm so, I'm Are you terrified I'm of them? Terrified. I, I've gotten so much better because obviously... You, you, know, have to, do you have a process of getting yourself pre like prepped during the zone yeah, or some meditation when you're flying? Yeah, dude, I do. I, I was so funny. It's like I feel um, when, when, I, when I was first traveling to America and all these massive long flights, I was yeah. like, this is like the scariest thing to me. Right? Yeah. And then I got used to it because, like, I, you do. I honestly, we back and forth in Australia, like, you know, before the pandemic, six or even four to six times a year. Wow. So you, you get it. I always fly the same airline, like, loved it. That makes me feel like home. It's called Qantas. And so I'm like, I feel great on this airline. It's awesome. And then the pandemic happens, and I've forgotten all yeah, about that's that. That's a real thing, man. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> we're in Hawaii recently with Milena, and we're going between Maui and the Big Island, and it's like it's like a thirty minute trip, but you're in this tiny. Oh yeah, thing. those are. I've had some. <laughs> yeah, those are. That's a different experience, right? Is that, that, that that same? I mean, I've had some of those experiences. Also, flying because uh, in college and I, dude, I've been traveling since middle school oh, because yeah, of AAU sports and stuff. To. But flying out of South Dakota in the dead of winter on these tiny planes, 
like that's pretty nerve wracking. I've had some moments where we had to pull up, like circle around and things like that. Wow. Um, but I don't know, man. I think I've gotten so used to it. I can just sleep. Okay. Well, good for you. I but that's sleep. my area of control that I fear. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. that's that's a control thing that I fear. Uh, okay. So you've got. I really love. There's so many good touching points there, dude. And you know another another amazing similarity I also had a label tear I had a full shoulder reconstruction oh yeah, yeah. dude I, I tore it re-aggravated it best thing I did was obviously all the rehab and yeah. stuff yeah. but it's uh, it's no joke can you snatch can you do overhead snatch yeah I can do all those things okay. I, I don't do a lot of them anymore uh, because after the second one I just yeah. didn't get it fixed it's, I wasn't going to sit through a full on oh, recovery dude, so. it's, a, it's a tough one yeah but um, I don't know I'm, I train smarter not always harder now so it's such a good chat so you've, you've you've walked away feeling good about yourself but this is where I think it gets um, even more exciting for me because one chapter you're like as we said earlier your whole life has been around sport yeah. professionalism um, you know, the town's built you up, your family just, the family, that's, that's different because your family know you for Dale, but outsiders know you as this prodigy. So at that point, when you retire, there's so many factors I can only assume going on. One, what am I going to do? Two, yeah. people only know me for this. So like, that's an identity problem right now. Right? Yeah. So how did you deal with that? Honestly... <sighs> Without saying your network, because I know that's the standard. Like and that's no, true. that wasn't like really. It wasn't like notoriety and stuff. I've never really cared about. Sure. And I, I think this is something that um, it like ebbs and flows, and also like that stuff doesn't matter. But you know, since the time I was in middle school and high school, like not only my community, like my entire state knew everything I was doing. Of course. Like you know, from college, all that stuff. So. Um, when I came to New York and had to really reformat, I leaned on my past experiences and said, hey, you know, this is what I've done. Um, but I gravitated and I got into the fitness and the wellness space. If there was one thing I loved, I loved training. Um, and also, while I was still playing, I reached out uh, to Wilhelmina at the time and I was one of the first pro athletes to sign with their agency for their That's new awesome. uh, division. Um, so a little bit of foreshadowing. But I also always had a plan. Um, I knew from the moment I came to New York um, that I wanted to do things in sports and entertainment. And I knew that putting in the work and creating um, was gonna be my foundational piece. Uh, and if it comes to like meeting people, I just met people around the gym, bro. And like, again, keep in mind, I was restarting uh, life when I first came here, so if I wasn't at my place, you know, until I started knowing people, I literally lived at the gym. And then uh, I met some good friends who were um, in the hospitality space and they'd always bring me to some events and stuff. And that's kind of how it started building. But my identity here in New York and through and through was never really around football. It was just around meeting people and being friends. And that's how I've always tried to approach life. And I think about like, how that manifests later on, right? Like someone I haven't talked to in three or four years just because of life. But you pick it back up like it's like, you know, things never stop. And I think that just goes back to foundationally like how you treat people and build that relationship. So for me, it was like, there's millions of people in the city. No one gives a shit about me. Uh, but whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do and I'm going to be known for uh, my life here in New York City. And that's, it's been like an awesome, awesome ride, you know? 
So how long have you been in New York City for? Six years. Uh, it'll be six years in March, so time flies, man. Wow, man. You and I are very much in the same ballpark here. So six years for me, six years for you. And how long did it take for you to truly feel that New York City was home? Not a fantasy, but yeah. like you felt like home. I think like it was a three-year mark for me. Um, because like, no matter who you are when you come here for the first time, it's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's like finding their way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like three, like, probably my third year. Um, I was doing really well with my agency. Uh, I was starting to host and produce like a lot of different things. Um, and I think it was a point too where I finally felt like a the relationships I had were solid um, and I wasn't like controlled by work or like the next project or feeling like I had to be everywhere because there's so much that goes on in the city and as you're trying to navigate it, you know, you're almost looking to these external influences to give you inspiration or help guide you to your identity and I finally was at a point where I didn't feel like I had to be everywhere all the time. Um, I had a really sound group of, you know, friends. And and honestly, like, after my mom passed too, uh, I think I made the decision to fully be here in New York and not have one foot out the other, uh, one foot out the door. Uh, because my number one priori- priority has always been to take care of my family, especially her. But at that stage also, um, you know, my sister was doing really well with her career. You know, my dad was finally in a good place after uh, losing his partner of over 40 years. Um, and all my siblings were good. So I felt like I could fully commit in a way um, I had never been able to, honestly, in my entire life. And I just made that conscious decision, like, you know, like it or not, I'm going to be here. So I think that was at the three-year mark. And so when you... When you first moved here, what was the initial? Was it for WMA? Was it like the time um, you So I actually, so I signed with uh, Wilhelmina uh, while I was still playing with the Bears. I was living in LA in the off season, um, and I happened to come out to like Philadelphia for uh, a golf outing. Sure. Um, and so I came over to New York just to meet the management team because they had some changes. And I went in and sat down with my agent. And he's like, all right, we're going to you know, send you to meet some clients. I went to meet with Men's Health and a couple other brands. And literally within two days, I booked like a huge Nike campaign. And then I booked like four other things within like a week and a half. And he's like, you should really think about staying out here. And I was like, all right. You know, I didn't think anything of it. Um, and then as I was just talking to my family, I was like, I think I'm going to like stay out here. Cause I was also at a phase like, like what else was I going to do? Right. And I, I also believe that at least entering New York, I had some support and you know, there's a, you, you never know when the next project's going to come, but you know, I was very fortunate to have like five or six lined up. And then from there, dude, it just kept rolling. You know, uh, during my time in my first uh, few years, I was like our top booking fitness model. Um, and I had developed like real relationships with the clients to the point where I knew like clockwork if I was going to have something coming up. And that was like an amazing feeling to have because I think there's always a little bit of, what do they say, imposter syndrome? Or like, do you belong? We just want to be validated. And knowing and starting off in that way gave me so much confidence that, like, you know, I know I got to 
not take anything for granted, but I can I can make it happen here. That's huge, man. Especially in this city. Yeah, dude, this city is a beast. And yeah. everyone who's not, and that's why also like, I kind of love it because it's like a, it's its own little world, yeah. right? And you know this because even we talked about it like with you uh, coming uh, here from Australia and kind of going through like navigating like the people in life, you know, and finding that identity as well. Yeah, man. You just want to, you, you want to make sure that, I feel, I feel when you get here, there's a bit of New York in everybody. Yep. It just depends how much is activated. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, for you to be here and for stay for six years, it means for one, there was a bit of that either driven spirit, the excitement, the tenacity, the um, competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Um, and so like, I think there's a lot of people who stick around here are like that. And as you said, like being here allows you to create more opportunities for yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it also can create a false negative where mm-hmm. you have people that come by, come and go. And I remember in my first two and a half years of being here, if I look at the people that I know I see on a regular basis in the last, for the next three years, it's just like, I really learned upon reflection who my yep. true friends were. Yeah, for sure. Um, and who wanted something or, um, you know, needed something out of me. Give me some of the moments that come to the top of your mind. Not the best one, but just something that comes to your mind. Oh, I think one of the coolest things I've done, um, it actually started here in New York City. I was shooting an Under Armour campaign. Um, and then we ended up going out to the Grand Canyon. But that was like one of the first moments where I was like, I kind of spoke up and said, hey, you know, I'd like to be involved in maybe helping kind of produce this, right? And I didn't, I, you know, so I was sitting with the videographer and we were working through the creative and that was the first time, and obviously social media was starting to pop off, where I was like, yo, I have more input than I think I do. I'm not just modeling. Now I have the ability to cre- like provide some creative direction or at least give my perspective, you know, if I'm Italian here. After that moment, that was the biggest shift with me starting uh, to like co-produce and creative direct on different things. Um, and then I think the other coolest thing, uh, dude, I climbed the side of the edge building what the cityscape so they got this like attraction dude this is like only stuff you can do in new york city i was i was like 1200 feet up dangling off the side of the building and i haven't even shared this i gotta put that out there literally like you're walking up the side of the edge at hudson yards and that was like one of the moments especially after the pandemic and all that it's like i'm still here i'm still standing i just wanted to go to the top of the rooftop (laughs) new york city strong yes and i say i love the epic table podcast (laughs) dude that was insane um and i wasn't scared i'm not afraid of heights but dude there's so many like awesome things um also like uh you know i this was pre-pandemic but um, just being able to bring like friends, partners, organizations like into the New York scene and really help introduce them to it. Um, you know, three years ago I had a dope speaker series that I was co-producing with Samsung and we did a whole inclusivity in sports, um, big event and everything around Special Olympics. And for me that was like really big just because that's something that's like near and dear to my heart. Uh, my sister was an athlete, um, you know, at a young age and since I've been working with the global team, uh, since 2015 but like 
I think when you're here in New York, sometimes you get almost like jaded or numb to the idea like, this is a pretty cool city. It's kind of hard to do and put some of these things together here. And, you know, you don't think about it, you just do it. And then looking back, it's like, holy shit, like we did that. That was an idea. We found a team, you know, we had some people trust us and we brought that together. And it was like a powerful, powerful experience, man. The reflecting on something that I, you know, I, I still feel I'm at school sometimes. Yeah. And I think a lot of us can be like this where you, you feel like, I, I don't think it is imposter syndrome. It's like you've either learned something or you're skilled at something. Yeah, yeah. And you don't realize how it's okay to say it's, it's okay to say I actually am good at this. Yeah, dude, reflection is powerful. Massive. And I love hearing this from you because so often we we deprive ourselves of our potential by not saying something. Mm-hmm. Or we, we don't fully allow our... Even not in verbally, but our physical state to allow us yeah. to open up and provide an option. And I'm not saying that you always have to say something or speak up. I'm just the fact that you even noted that the whole Under Armour thing is yeah. awesome, where you were like, oh, and then all of a sudden you realize, no, I've been doing this for enough time to make sense and actually put two and two together. And say, like, that's not right. I think this may be better. And like, sometimes people are like, okay. And it's like, whoa, all right. And then more and more and more comes. Exactly. It's like the self-belief you're talking about yeah. growing up. It's like, oh, I actually can run that route much better than if I you know, step off an extra second earlier yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. And it's, it's so cool to hear you say that because I know all our listeners right now are probably thinking upon themselves going, oh, did I not speak up when I should? Or maybe I'm mm-hmm. not giving myself enough opportunity to really think about what I'm truly... <laughs> truly do that yeah well and also and this is a thing they talk about the hustle of the city and there's so many opportunities but you know not every opportunity is always a good one but we spread ourselves thin right but not allowing and giving yourself permission to actually sit back and acknowledge and take in the things you do like that's detrimental to your growth and i'll say that like i need to do that more Right. And I think there's a balance between humility, but also understanding and appreciating like what you've done. And that's something that now I really, really try to do a lot more because if you can't like emotionally get attached to a moment or you can't really, you know, live it or relive it, then like what the hell are you doing it for? It's either like, you know, a check or for somebody else. And that reflection um, is everything. And also like that's the assurance or the reassurance that you need to move forward and keep doing these types of things. Oh, I, that is unbelievably the, one, one of the coolest moments I've personally had here is hearing you speak about that because I'm all about getting potential out of people. And I, I think self-belief is something that a lot of people struggle with just because they don't want to speak about what they're good at. I'm yeah. Like, you know, even just right now having people at home listening in, like, think about what you're actually good at. Like, say it to yourself internally. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's unbelievably powerful for your confidence and your ability to maybe look outside your current boundaries of what you can actually achieve. Yeah, 100%, man. It's, Dude. I'm also very scared of heights, by the way. So, <laughs> as you start so knocking, you're not going to do this. I, I would don't do it. mind I would do it. I would do it. I was in St. Martin. I was, like, cliff <laughs> jumping. Oh, so, this is the thing. You know, as a kid... 
we did not have shit to do. So we were the wildest bunch of friends. Like when I like I used to want to be an X Games rollerblader. Sick. And so I'm like jumping bikes and trying to do like all the twists. And then, you know, I broke my wrist and I kind of put that on the shelf because I was missed my you know, some basketball. Sure. But like dirt biking, four wheeling. Um, rock climbing. I, I got to do all those things as a kid, which was so sick. That's awesome. Um, and I think it probably transitions into life and everything. I'm, I'm kind of a thrill seeker. I live for the energy. Sure. Like I, that's why I love people. That's why I love like a great experience. Like I feed off those things, and I'm actually like very, very even keeled and pretty composed like most of the time. But I'm a free spirit. You know, I like to have fun, but I, I like excitement. So I, if it's something like that. Uh, even if I've never done it, I'm down to try most anything that's extreme. Man, that's epic. I can definitely say, I'll, I'll attest to what you said. You're a very chilled out individual and just having a natural conversation with you, very relaxed, very just like you're focused, you're present. And the moment I get energetic or like throw something out there or you hear something epic, like yeah. the energy flows. Oh, dude, that's how it is. That's how it is. But that's, uh, you appreciate those moments, you appreciate people and, and just life, dude. 100%. It's like, Damn, I, I, you, I'm still reflecting on some of these things, and um, I'm 33 now, um, but in 33 years, like, I've done some cool shit. Yeah. I've met some great people. I feel like um, if I, obviously I want to continue on, but if nothing else ever happened, I can say, you know, I've lived a pretty good life, what, you know, most people will never experience and I'm, I'm grateful for those things and I don't want those to stop and I don't believe they're going to stop but you know I do think about that all the time so dude you're been in the city you have, so dude you've been ha- so dude you have been in the city for about six years yep in this time you've done a number of things you've been on a reality show and you've come out and once again I think we touched about this before it's like I love how you answered the question around being a professional athlete coming out, but we talk about identity. Yeah. And everyone does have an identity, mm-hmm. whether you're prolific or not, like in you know your family environment or not. Establishing who you are is it takes a lot of work because yeah. people definitely have a perspective of it. And I really love how you answered this and talked when we talked about in the past. It's like how did you feel coming out of the show that you have? and ultimately made sure that you weren't remembered for being in that show. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, like I've never shied away from like any experience, you know, I've, I've never uh, shied away from the show. Like, you know, I don't really necessarily lean into it all that much, but um, I went into it like the most complete and whole individual uh, at that stage of my life, yeah. I feel like I have ever been. Um, and that's the only reason that I was able to commit to something like that. Um, and, you know, coming out of it, um, it wasn't really that difficult for me to adjust. Um, and I think a lot of that is obviously how I entered it. Um, also, like everything in my life, obviously we had the pandemic. Uh, we're, you know, going through that. Um, but nothing in my life had changed. Uh, you know, my family was great. I was still doing the same things. Obviously, it was a little bit slower just because of the pandemic. Um, but when things are good, they're good. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, I dealt with some stuff 
publicly. Um, and I think that's the only time in my life where, or one of the very, very few times that I felt as if like my identity was being stripped from me um, because of opinions or what was being projected on me or you know, a singular view or perspective of, uh, and, you know, of people also, that, I mean, most people who had no concept of my life. Um, and that took a long time to kind of get past. Um, but, you know, at this stage, like right now, you always fall back on like knowing who you are and every decision, you know, everything within my life. Like I go to bed at night and I sleep really, really well, you know, and that has been the case too. Um, even in some of those tough times, you, you just learn that, um, you know, the people with the cheapest seats are always going to scream the loudest. And, you know, when you focus on some of the negative things, you miss all the positive and all the great things that are going on in life. But I'm so grateful um, for everything, the high moments, you know, some of the low moments and going through that and going through that, um, you know, at an early stage in my life because I know my best years are ahead of me. Like, there's no question on that. Um, and I also know that when you can actually take yourself away from it and look at it, um, you know, life moves on. People move on. Um, everyone's got shit going on. So if someone or something is that consumed with what you're doing and trying to pinpoint, like, what's wrong with your life, it's probably, I mean, just not for you. And it's tough with, like, social media and all these things we get stimuli and we get information so quickly. Um, and it's been very, very interesting to even reflect back and see you know, where I was at last year at this time uh, to where I'm at right now. And I've got the most excitement and um, like eagerness and joy for the things that I'm doing um, and also all the things that are coming up that I've had for a long time. So, you know, um, I am who I am. I've been that way my entire life, and you know that's not going to change. Your focus, man, is unbelievable, uh, and I'm sure it's tested many times over. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say, like, as as a dude, man, like, it's uh, especially in this city, it's not an easy thing to do. And for you to just be like, I'm, I'm sure you've probably had to, you know work on this as we all all do anyway oh, yeah. but like your answer then is just like it's just strong like yeah. you have strength and you have to but like I don't know Dale for that show I know Dale for Dale right yeah yeah for and, sure and I I don't even I don't even watch an episode of it because I just was like firstly it's like I don't watch TV <laughs> but secondly um I know you for what Dale stands for and what his like you know values are and like he likes to do you know he's a, yeah. he's like a bro like he wants to play sport he wants to hang out wants to see, like it's, you know, yeah all that kind of stuff and I, this is why I love this show another reason for it because I get to speak to people like yourself who are super relatable inspiring in their own right but at the end of the day you're talking about things that we all deal with like know. this is life dude and like I think and and I you know I will say that. Um, you always want to be politically correct and you know, I, I, I've never, I don't have it in my nature or I can't carry um, really any anger for things that have ever, you know, have happened. Like I've forgiven, <laughs> you know, um, you, you're just not meant to hold those things. But I will say like the only person who really defines you is yourself, right? And 
I do go back to gratitude because I'm, I'm grateful for everything I've experienced. And, um, you know, I've grown a lot and it's in challenging moments that, you know, you grow the most, right? And, you know, I think that's why, especially this year, and I've talked with this very closely with friends and family, dude, I am excited for life. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I don't know, I just, I, I, it sounds pretty simple, but I, like I'm truly, truly excited. And, you know, there's not a lot of things that I stress about. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of really great things that are coming up. Um, but all I want to do is like just live. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. That's awesome. And you are, man. You've got some pretty, you talked to me about what you got plans for. One of the things I loved in our discussion was the allocation for your headspace. Oh, dude, it's so vital. <laughs> and I've learned that. And it's, yeah. Headspace, everything. Talk to me about this, bro. I think mean, it's a it, it, it is a absolute pillar of health, but also a fortitude of performance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think anytime like you perform at a highlight or you want to perform, like we're our own worst critic, right? right. Um, and I go back to like with the pandemic and you know the last few years, I realized so much how important like taking your time and having good environments, good energy and having that good headspace is to everything in life. Um, you know, and I say like even last year and some different times, like, dude, I, there were some moments where I was so like lower in such stressful um, environments all the time. And I remember like my day-to-day tasks, I couldn't even I couldn't even fucking do. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, or I wasn't giving my time or I was trying to take it on so many things or fix so many problems of other people that it was just like fucking me up, dude. Um, you know, but, uh, what, excuse my French, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. can speak French, Italian, yeah, Australian, no. whatever you want, bro. But the best thing I did was I really dove back into... Uh, personal growth and development. It's something that I worked on so much over the years. And I realized that with the pandemic, because my communities were different and different um, situations with family and all that, that I had lost track of that. Um, You know, I'd since have gone back. um, I'm just about to finish my holistic health coaching certification. I work with a performance coach um, and, you know, advise for mentorship groups. And like those things have helped me so much, but also... I block off my schedule. I take time. If it's something for my growth, my training, my mental, that takes priority over everything. And in just in a short span, dude, it's like changed uh, changed my life for the better in so many ways. Um, and I can't say how much uh, or how important it is for people to really take that time for themselves. Otherwise, if you give it away, you know you got nothing left. Dude, play offense, not defense. That's. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> I still got to work my wrist flick, by the way. That was, uh, my, my three-point game is terrible. Hey, mine too. I, <laughs> I haven't picked up a ball in a while. You're in the paint the whole time? I, I'll still go above the rim. <laughs> but yeah, like I, dude, I couldn't agree more. I, like, last year was a huge, last two years, a massive challenge for me um, time-wise. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, bringing a couple of people onto the team um, has been a lifesaver. But I think along with that and blocking time off 
and I'm not just talking like hour at the gym or you know time to read. I'm yeah. talking I'll have a full day of my Monday to Friday, which is you creative time. You need it because that, that dude, that's your process too. And like, there's all these things. If you can't devote and give the full focus and time and creativity to like the things that you're passionate about, and you're an artist, dude. Like, and who else is gonna do it? And you know, I think it's important, especially for people who are building in careers or entrepreneurs and things like that. Invest in people, a like that you trust and everything, but you got to invest in people. And I think there's that that fine line. And the best thing you know I've done is um, done some of those things to free up time. And like actually, this is dude, this is so funny. And my dad told me this as a little kid, like seven, eight year old. He's like stoic, like big history buff and everything. But he's like. Listen to me, son. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to start using money to keep people away from you rather than keeping people around you. And I had no concept then kind of what he was understanding or what he was saying. And, you know, as I've grown in my life, I was like, damn, that's Mm. one of the realest things, um, you know, I've heard. And that's also just not saying that you got to keep people you know out of your face it's just giving that time and putting some of those barriers or boundaries in so that you can be you and you can be complete in your space and everything mate that is a, such a cool moment there to hear your dad's dude like like when it, it just clicked, clicked yeah, yeah it clicked, it was <laughs> i can like, see your face light up you're like bang <gasps> that's what he meant <laughs> damn papa boss <laughs> landing it that is heavy Man, that's um, yeah, hundred percent. And like we, we we said this we said this about an hour ago. We talk about how we go away for holidays, we spend weeks yeah. away, we have our weekends, but uh, yeah, that time that we need to, you know, that's why we why we put a shoot day is full day because then yeah. we have to do shoot day, shoot day, shoot day. You need a time to like think about stuff. So um, that that's huge. So I I want to touch on the Special Olympics, dude. I think this is massive. And you've been with them for how many years? Uh, so 2022, so 2015. So Seven years, dude. Yeah, it'll be seven this summer. Wow. Yeah, so it, it, time flies, man. It really does. So how that all start? Was it like, how, how did it start? Uh, I was in LA in the off-season training. Yeah. Um, and I remember driving, and I saw a billboard that um, was uh, talking about the Special Olympics World Games. And my sister was a Special Olympics athlete, so I'd been which, involved. Which, at what you compete in? Uh, she did more of like, uh, you know, some of like the wheelchair races and things like that. Um, and so as a kid, I was always around it, you know, I was always volunteering. Um, and you know, my, all my sisters were all like this. Um, but I saw the billboard and, um, I reached out to, uh, the team in DC and I said, Hey, I see that you have the world games coming to Los Angeles. Uh, if there's any way I'd love to be involved. And, um, Actually, uh, shortly after, Editra Allen, who is like ace, big sis to me now too, um, she shared some of the information uh, about playing in the Unified Sports Games. And I had no idea what to expect. When I was rolling up, I was like, yeah, totally, I'm gonna, you know, I'm down, let's, you know, whatever I can do, I just wanna have some fun with some of the athletes and everything. And I pull up, like, 
there's 7,000 athletes from 150 countries. And what most people don't realize is next to the Olympics, the Special Olympics World Games is the second largest sporting event what? in the world. Yeah, it's literally like a test ground. Like if they're going to do the Olympics somewhere, odds are if you look back, they probably had the Special Olympics World Games, either winter or summer games, there to test out the city to see if they could handle it. Um, wow. Yeah, dude. And it's, but it's been, so, it was so amazing. Um, and, you know, not only the attention to detail, the quality of the games, um, also like with all the athletes, like the level and the caliber they were at. And I, I've said this before, but I always said I could like never coach. But that experience like made me realize why coaches do what they do because there's something so powerful about being able to be a part of someone like watching them like achieve their lifelong dream and like seeing that moment. And I got to relive that moment over and over and over and over again within a weekend. Um, And, you know, since then, it's been pretty awesome. Um, You know, I've gone to Austria um, I've gone to Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Uh, you know, I was supposed to go to Russia this year, but obviously, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do the Russia thing because of the pandemic. Um, you know, you name it. I'm heading out to Aspen for X Games for the Unified Sports Experience, and you know, even working with Congress and Senate to to increase funding uh, on Capitol Hill. You know, I've done that for three year or four years. That's powerful, man. Yeah. And those are the things that, you know, I'll share from time to time, but those are a lot of the things that, um, like no one really sees nor, oops, <laughs> do I need, re- nor do I need uh, recognition for in those regards. The only thing is literally just sharing the message so we can have a more inclusive yeah. world. So it's, dude, it's sick. And anyone that wants to get involved, local chapter, I get to ask this all the time, but I've, I've had the most amazing experiences through the uh, Special Olympics organization. And where, where would people find out information? Uh, honestly, like I always say, reach out to your local chapter. Um, you know, that's the easiest thing. And they're a lot more accessible than you would think. And I, I feel like a lot of times people are so intimidated because if they get involved, they feel like they might not do enough. Dude, every little bit counts. And... Um, if you ask someone, usually everyone is literally like one degree of separation um, from someone or knowing someone that has intellectual disabilities and ha- struggles with these things. So that's that's the biggest thing, man. Um, just start off small and then it can build into whatever you want. So speaking of building, we've got, obviously it's the very start of 2022. We're all excited. I'm, I'm lit up for what the year has in store. Yeah. You're lit up, right? Dude, I'm geeked. What can you, what can, <laughs> geeked, I don't know, that's awesome. What can you share with us that we could potentially experience of, uh, on the life of Dale coming our way? Yeah, um, so this year, and a lot of people don't know this, so I, I actually went to school for video production, digital production, so that's why I've always gravitated to storytelling um, and honestly, like wanting to do more things even behind the scenes, but um, I'm launching a YouTube. You! Dude, I'm all in on YouTube. Dude, let's do it! I started it in 2019 and the pandemic shut it down. Um, but it's gonna be sick. And this is just gonna give people a real raw, like, just look at life. We're gonna get Dale cooking on his YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm gonna do all the things. (laughs) Um, So the YouTube's gonna come out. Um, I've got some awesome hosting projects. I'm gonna be doing stuff around Super Bowl. Um, I did shoot uh, my first film, which I've never really acted before. What? 
it was extremely unexpected. Um, I wasn't looking for it, but it was an opportunity where I was like, like, why not? You sure. know what I mean? What's, what's the film? Uh, it's called Putting Love, or uh, excuse me, that was the name. It's uh, called Love Game Match, so it was actually called Putting Love to the Test. Um, you know, and they do their whole switch thing. But, dude, it was, it was sick. Um, I wasn't looking for the role, or I, ha- you know, I wasn't even working with an acting coach or signed with an agency. That is Ray um, My manager knew one of the producers, and they're like, hey, we've uh, had countless people audition and just knowing Dale's personality and what we've seen we feel feel like this role was written for him and I looked for the looked at the script and everything and I'm like I mean this is exactly how my life you know former athlete goes back to his old school teaches kids a game of tennis that is a hundred percent written by you (laughs) dude it was it was like the same thing and I asked my manager I was like like I've never done this before should I should I do this and she's like, you know, if you feel comfortable, you should totally do it. Um, I think you do great. And I talked with the directors and the producers and like very, very quickly, uh, they're like, you know, we'd love to go with you. We think you do uh, do great. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, sick. You know, you like commit to something and then you sit and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> I committed to this. Like, I have to do this. <laughs> And I'm like looking at a script. I was like, what did I do? What was I thinking? Because it's like literally you're like sink or swim, right? You're thrown in the ocean. It's like there's no going back now. And, you know, like Chris Prosperi, um, Christine Conrad, like everyone who's involved with the production, Chris, like, dude, they were so amazing. And it was at a time where I felt like I just needed something to dive into because um it the timing was unbelievable and to be in that setting was amazing because you literally have all these people who put their lives on hold as well they're reliant on you to come through and it you know during those times it can be a consuming moment um but you have to be present and like if you're struggling with whatever's going on in life you have to consciously put that here so you can still come through because literally people's livelihoods are on the line there. And I, like, I loved it, dude. It, it was really, really cool. So, you know, we'll see if I explore some of those things a little more. And then other than that, just producing. I'm working on, um, you know, some projects, mini docu-series with uh, some teams. Um, and just get back into storytelling and hosting, man. Nice. So, like I said, these are things I've always wanted to do. Uh, life doesn't change; hasn't changed a ton. I think, if anything, there's just more of these opportunities. Dude, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to just <laughs> appreciate that uh, you and I get to hang every now and then. But, bro, um, thank you for your time today. Thank yeah, you for your man. storytelling, your absolutely amazing quips that we're going to definitely bundle up into social assets with people to learn from. Yeah, um, and just being Dale, man. No, dude, I appreciate it. This was this was sick. I know, um, uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm happy to share. So it was it was awesome to be able to chop it up with you. And I'm right in the hood, man. Yeah, so you yeah, know where to find me. Exactly, yeah, dude. you know where to find me. So speaking of people in the hood, where can they find you? Um, address? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Where's the best There's Instagram a, handle? We do social? have we do have security, so it's all good. Uh, Instagrams uh, at Dale Moss thirteen. Uh, Twitter, 
Dale Moss and the Dale Moss on TikTok because you know gotta do the TikTok thing. Gotta do the TikTok. And then oh, obviously YouTube, uh, Dale Moss TV on YouTube. Oh, subscribing right now, bro. Ding. My pleasure. All right, bro. Thanks, peace. Yeah.